Okay, welcome back to Journalistic Integrity. My name is Robert Murphy. I've got a great episode today, a lot of NBA talk, as yesterday the final regular season games were played. So the playoff format is out. We got some playing games starting tomorrow, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I think they go into Thursday and Friday as well because it's a couple games for each conference to sort out the playing games. Before we get to the NBA talk, I've got an announcement. Frank Fleming, who you've probably seen him if you're familiar with Barstool or the Mets at all. You've probably seen his videos on Twitter. But Frank Fleming has agreed in principle to come onto the podcast of Journalistic Integrity. Hopefully will come out. It'll come out later this week on Thursday. So Frank's got a very irregular schedule, uh, I've heard. And so we're finally able to work something out. So Tuesday at 10 p.m., is when we have agreed to terms to record. So I'm hoping I do not get big leagued. I know Frank has a lot of other media offers, a lot of other things to do. Maybe the Mets game goes into extra innings, so he's got he's to stay locked in on that. So we'll see if that works. I feel pretty good about that. We've exchanged emails and such. And so it seems like it's going to happen on Tuesday night, but there is always a chance that it falls through. So I'd put it about... 60 40 chance that it happens and if it does happen if you don't know frank he's hilarious just the most the most like distilled hardcore sports fan out there there's a lot of people now that are like yeah look at me i'm wearing a dodgers hat oh i love the red Sox. i love the yankees this guy lives and breathes his teams and right now we're in the middle of baseball season and he is living and breathing with every single mets pitch every win and loss he's calling for the manager to be fired after basically every single game, even if we win. So it's going to be really exciting to have him on because I'm a Mets fan too, and so we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, with Frank. So be on the lookout for that later this week. But let's get into today's episode. So I said NBA. Today's open is going to be about Tim Tebow, and I'm sure you guys have seen all the arguments and stuff about him online. So to, to recap, he was signed by the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, about a week or two weeks ago, and he played for Urban Meyer at Florida, won two championships there, and now Urban after Tim's been out of the NFL for six, seven years, and he's been playing baseball, wasn't great at baseball, and he was obviously he was in the Mets organization, and he, and he was getting elevated through the organization because of all the attention that he brought to these minor league teams that normally nobody cares about. And so you're selling out stadiums, jerseys. He was an okay player, but had no chance of making the major leagues. It was too late for him to, to get into the sport. And there's so many good baseball players out there, so many good college players that are looking to make their name in the pros. And there's so many, I mean, you look at the MLB draft, there's like 70, 80 rounds. So I mean, there's just so many players out there that are really good that practice, you know, six, seven hours a day. And so Tim Tebow thought he could pick up a bat, get into baseball, he couldn't. So now he wants to come back to football. And a lot of people are mad that Tim Tebow is getting this opportunity. They're saying, hey, he's chasing the fame. He likes being in the spotlight. Uh, he doesn't deserve this. He already failed in the NFL. He's taking away a spot from other tight ends. Here's my take on it. This is what happens in life. This is networking. He's worked with Tim Tebow before. They won two championships. He saw his leadership, all that stuff. So all the people on ESPN that were saying this is unfair, he doesn't deserve this spot, they probably in their career 
have known somebody in higher levels in ESPN or to get their foot in the door, and that's how they got their start and their job. Obviously, this is a little bit different. It's not him getting his start, but it's him getting this first start to return into the NFL, his foot in the door. And do I think he's going to be a good tight end? Absolutely not. There's so many really good athletes coming out of college every single year that are in the pros right now, even the second, third, fourth string guys that for the past five, 10 years have been catching 500 balls every single day and been practicing their blocking, studying film, all that. Tim has not been doing that the past six, seven, eight years at all. So he's way behind, but still he can't play tight end, but maybe there's a special team spot for him. Um, there's about a 0.1% chance that he's going to be able to get on the field as a tight end because he never even really seemed that coordinated. And we saw him in baseball. He was dropping some fly ball. It just didn't look – it's one of those skills, especially if you're going to come in when you're 33, that you kind of have to have that natural ability to catch a ball. And I'm sure we've all, you know, when we were younger athletes, there's always a couple kids there that were like – they were more robotic and it didn't seem natural. They had to work really hard. But there are also some kids that it was like – crazy natural and just catching a football or baseball or catching a grounder seemed really easy to them. And I don't think, I don't think that's Tim Tebow in terms of catching a football. It doesn't seem like the coordination was there from what I've seen in, in the little clips of him playing tight end. Do I think he could play special teams? Absolutely. The dude's what are six, five two forty. Of course he can uh, play on the punt team, run down there and make a tackle or personal protector like he played previously. Obviously, he can't play quarterback, but I think there is a spot when you look at the leadership uh, that Tim Tebow has, and that's undeniable. In addition to that, he takes pressure off of Trevor Lawrence. Everybody's talking about Tim Tebow. Nobody's talking about the first overall pick. And since when have we ever had an NFL, recent NFL history, I mean, the past decade, where nobody's been talking about the first overall quarterback in camp? He's not the number one story for the team. That's never happened. If Tim Tebow's on the team through training camp, it's all Tim Tebow with just a little bit of Lawrence, a little bit of ETN. So I think, I think Tim Tebow, I think some people just don't like Tebow, and that's why they're criticizing the move. But guess what? This happens all the time. I'm sure you guys have friends. Maybe someone got a banking job or a sales job because they had a friend's dad. I got a, a position at Fox, not because I was some um, really good sports mind, but because – a, uh, my friend's dad uh, knew somebody there and was able to get me an interview. So it happens all the time. Maybe it's happened to you, but you definitely know people where networking helps you get jobs or helps you get a chance. And Tim Tebow's previous relationship with Urban Meyer has given him this chance to earn a spot on the Jaguars. Look, Urban Meyer's not going to give him a spot if he doesn't think he's going to help him win games. He's not in this just to give Tebow one more chance at the NFL. Urban Meyer is one of the most competitive coaches out there. You can see on the sidelines, the dude almost had multiple strokes because of how intense he was on the sideline. So if he's good enough, if he's going to help the team, if the pros outweigh the cons, then he's going to make the team. But he definitely, he, he shouldn't be criticized for having this opportunity. Okay, that was the open on Tebow. Let's go to the NBA. And so... The regular season finished yesterday. Right now I'm recording. It's Monday afternoon right around 3 p.m. So everything's been solidified, the playing games, all that stuff. So let's start with the Lakers. So the Lakers started off the season really hot. Then they were plagued by injuries. LeBron James, Anthony Davis has been injured. 
Anthony Davis didn't look in great shape when he, when he first started the season and, and not in great shape now, although he has had some really good games recently. But the common theme um, amongst NBA people is the Lakers are going to be fine. They're going to bounce back, piece everything together. I don't really – I'm worried about the Lakers. I'm officially, you know, one out of ten. If ten's like they're, they're not going to win the playing game and one's, you know, they're, they're probably going to make the finals, I'm probably at like a six or a seven. You know, call me crazy. I'm freaking out over here about the Lakers because I just don't think it happens this what, – what, how they won last year was it's kind of a weird season. They're in the bubble. A lot of teams didn't want to be there. This year the West is stacked, and I don't think the Lakers are going to be able to just roll the ball out there when they don't have the chemistry that they had last year. People have been on and off the court. They've got new guys like Drummond, who just joined a few weeks ago, and they're not really sure how he fits in in the minutes and who's going to be able to guard when they play teams like the Nuggets and, and Suns. So how these matchups are going to work out. They haven't had that full slate of you know, 60, 70 games where you've got your core together, and I think that really matters for the Lakers. And this isn't a team that's been together for you know, four or five years like Golden State in the past or other really good teams where they're like, okay, even though we didn't play a bunch of games together this year, we still have all these years in the past where we had this core together. That's not the Lakers. They just had that last season with LeBron and AD, and that was not even a normal season. So I'm worried about the Lakers. So they're going to be playing, and I'll, I'll explain the playing game. So they're the seventh seed, and they'll be playing the Warriors. And the winner of that game – the Warriors are the 8th seed. The winner of that game gets the 7th seed, so they're automatically in the playoffs. The loser of that game, however, is still in. So it's not an elimination game when 7 and 8 plays. They play the winner. The loser of the 7-8 plays the winner of the 9-10 matchup. So the loser of the 9-10 matchup is out of here. The winner plays the loser of the 7-8. And that 9-10 matchup is Grizzlies versus Spurs. So, you know, I think the Lakers are able to win this game and then I mean, if we get Warriors-Grizzlies for the playing game for the 8 seed, that would be awesome. They just played this, this last regular season game, and Steph had an incredible game. So some people don't like the playing game. Here's my take on the playing game. I think it could be tweaked a little bit, but, I mean, if you look at it, eight teams make the playoffs. There's 16 in each conference, so it's already 50% of the teams make the playoffs. So you can't really be complaining like, ooh, I got the 7-8 seed now. Like, I don't actually – I have to play more games to win it. Well, first of all, you could have gotten the sixth seed and you have an automa you're automatically in. Secondly, if you're the 7-8 seed, all you have to do is win one out of two games. If you win the first one, you're automatically in. If I were to tweak it at all, so some of the complaints have been, what if you have like a 9 or 10 seed? In this case, it's the Spurs who are they are nine games worse than the Lakers and five games worse than the Grizzlies. So if I were to tweak it a little bit, I would say if there's a team that's five games back from like the eight seed, which would be the Spurs this year in the West, that team is cut out. So it would just be the seven, eight, and nine. And then I would say the seven seed is automatically in. And then the eight, nine play like a best two out of three or where the nine seed has to win twice, the eight seed only has to win once. I think there's little tweaks you can do each year and set up these parameters where if a 9 or 10 seed is more than three games back of the 8 seed, then they can't compete in the play-in tournament. I think there's some adjustments that can be made, but I think this is really good for the sport. Right, there's so much hype around these playing games, and it worked out perfectly with the Lakers and Warriors. 
being in the the playing game this will be the most watched playing game by far this year so that's the Lakers I'm worried about them I do not I know a few weeks ago I had them winning the West but I don't see it this year I just I it just doesn't I don't think they're I think it's too late for them to really get their chemistry together especially against these good West teams so let's go to the Warriors um Steph Curry's been phenomenal he won the the uh scoring title for this year averaging I think it was around 31, 32 points per game. Just an incredible season. And we saw a different Steph Curry because in years past, it was always he's got Steph, then he had Durant for a few years. What can he do? Can he carry a team like LeBron did with the Cavaliers early on or um, with the Lakers um, when people are injured? Can he carry a team like some of the other greats have in the past and Steph? has been able to, you know, really turn this team around. And Wiseman hasn't really worked out that well. Uh, He's kind of been unplayable. He's gotten injured a little bit. The rotations aren't always there with him. Uh, Just doesn't seem like he knows what he's doing all the time. But they still do have Wiggins. They still have Draymond Green. They still have Kelly Oubre, I believe. So they've got some talent. And when Steph Curry... Steph can have these games where he drops 50 or 60 and he can beat you in a one-game scenario. I don't see them winning a first-round matchup, but I think he can bring, like, the Jazz to six games where he has a couple games where he goes for 50. But I, I think the supporting cast around him isn't good enough. They're not not—they're not that uh, a physical team that can help out Steph. I think Steph's going to get a little more roughed up in the playoffs than he has in the regular season, and I'm not sure they're going to have – a second option that they can rely on if Steph is taken out for certain segments of the game. So let's stay in the Western Conference, go to the Utah Jazz. Utah Jazz are getting no respect. They are first in the Western Conference with a 52-20 and 20 record, and not only first in the West, but the best record in all of the NBA, headlined by Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They've got Quinn Snyder, who's a, a really good coach, and... No, the, the hype around them, they're one of those teams, and we see it in really always in, in basketball, always in the NBA at least, um, sometimes in baseball, but 162 games, it doesn't always play out that way. But a team that is really well coached, and they just play really hard. Every single player plays really hard for 48 minutes, and that's what the Jazz have done, and where some of the other more talented teams will take days off, they'll uh, – have the the uh, load management. The Jazz have not. They've stayed relatively healthy, and they play hard under Quinn Snyder. They're really good at home, 31-5. and five. But I'm not sure where that ceiling is, that top elite um, level that you need in the playoffs and crunch time. Can they score? Where's that second score coming from? But at the same time, they've shot the ball pretty well. They play really good defense, and they're really hard to beat at home. And – as I said earlier, they're 31-5 and five at home, so a team's going to have to beat them in Utah um, because the Jazz will have home field throughout, home court throughout. So if everything stays the same and the Warriors hang on to the eight seed after the play-in tournament, it'll be Warriors-Jazz, which I think is going to be fascinating to see how, they, how the Jazz and Snyder plan to guard Steph running around the three-point line. I think that could be uh, – a fun series to watch. I mean, any series with Steph. I mean, we look at this Western Conference, it's loaded. I mean, with superstars and just really good teams. So 
what we're looking at, so we could look at the Warriors, Jazz, then the Suns, Lakers. So the Suns, let's go to the Suns. They're the two seed, and they could play, most likely will play, the Lakers in the first round. And I mentioned this in the Western Conference pod with Rob. How do the Suns match up with Anthony Davis? Are you going to trust their big guy, um, DeAndre Ayton? How are they going to – it's going to be one of those matchups where – they're going to be able to throw it down to AD, and he's going to be able to get 30, 35 points. So how are the Suns going to be able to work that out? Uh, and then the rest, we got the Blazers at the six seed, Mavericks, Clippers, Nuggets at the three seed. So I'm going to go over my top five, six storylines. So I'm just kind of doing a brief overview of each conference. So in the Eastern Conference, we got the Sixers as the one seed, then the Nets and Bucks, which is kind of the main tier. So it's those three teams. All you need to know, Sixers, Nets, Bucks. Then a huge, huge fall to the Knicks and Hawks. Then the Heat at the sixth seed. And then Boston, Wizards, Indiana, Hornets. So the play-in for that, we got Celtics, Wizards, 7-8. and eight. Winner gets the seventh seed. The loser of that is going to play the winner of the Pacers, Hornets. And that will be for the eighth seed. So those are going to be some good games as well because we got Russ and Bradley Beal, two guys that do not lack confidence. They're going to step on the court against the Celtics and think that they're going to come in and dominate. And they might because the Celtics have been atrocious this year. They finished 36 and 36. It's been awesome seeing Celtics fans squirm. I don't like the Celtics at all. They're just annoying. They always think they're really good. Tatum and Brown, who I think are really talented, but they're overrated. Basketball is not a game where you just – get your 27, 28 points, and you're like, oh, this guy had a really good game. It's how much better does your game make the whole team play? And when you watch the Celtics, and you really don't even have to watch that much of them, you can just watch a segment of a couple games throughout the year, and you can immediately see how stagnant it is. It's You pass it to Tatum on the right or left wing, then he'll drive and try and do something, and then Marcus Smart will try and jump in and get an offensive rebound. The same thing with Brown. Um so it's, I mean, the Celtics are a disaster. I also, another reason I hate the Celtics, they're terrible. They're not fun to watch at all. You'd think a team with two young stars would be fun to watch, but that, it goes back to the stagnant thing. It's, it just doesn't seem like good basketball, and it doesn't feel right. Um, and so the Wizards, look, they're not the most, you know, sound team either. Scotty Brooks, Reed mentioned during the Eastern Conference podcast, he had some questions about his coaching and – I'm sure a lot of people do, especially with the Thunder when he wasn't able to win a championship or even get to two finals appearances. He only got to that one where they lost to the Heat, where he had Russ and Durant and uh, Harden as well. The most exciting team in this play-in tournament is the Charlotte Hornets. That's right, MJ and the Charlotte Hornets. So they are the 10 seed, so they'll have to beat the Pacers and then uh, win – uh, another game after that, the loser, the 7-8 matchup. But they are my team, the exciting team in the East that I'm kind of rooting for because LaMelo Ball has been incredible. So he's played 51 games out of 72, and he's averaging 15.7 points, six rebounds, six assists. So he's all over the place. Uh, gets rebounds, assists, points, and some of his assists have just been incredible passes. I mean, his, I did not see this coming. I don't think a lot of people saw LaMelo Ball being this good this soon. We saw all the turnovers, the jack threes when he was in high school and when he was overseas. But he's really come in and, and kind of settled down a little bit. And he's so much fun to watch. And 
in addition to him, Terry Rogier is starting shooting guard. So he was a reject from the Celtics. Celtics didn't want any part of him. He kind of wanted more shots. It was him. There's Kyrie there. And he's come, and he took uh, less money than Kimba. So he's making less than Kimba, but he's been outperforming Kimba, who's obviously the point guard for the Celtics. And he's been awesome. So he's averaging 20 points. He's the only guy on the roster over 20 points a game. So he's 24 and 4. They did have Hayward earlier, who's another guy that they got from the Celtics, but he got hurt. Uh, Devontae Graham's a lot of fun to watch. PJ Washington out of Kentucky, long, talented guy. Miles Bridges, you've probably seen his dunk. So they, I mean, they've got a young, talented team. And so they're, the, the, uh, they're going to be playing in the 9 10 matchup. So that's, I'm going to be rooting for them. And it would be pretty awesome if the Wizards win and the Hornets win. And so then it's Celtics versus Hornets elimination game for the eight seed. And so, as I mentioned, that would be the uh, former Celtics going against each other with uh, Rogier there. So that's the Eastern Conference. So let's go to, uh, let me run through my storylines, top like five, six storylines for the NBA, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Let me see how long I've been going. Going about 20 minutes. So we'll keep it under 30 minutes. And let me pull up the standings real quick so I have I have that to reference. But uh, first storyline, we'll say storyline number six, Chris Paul and the Suns. Chris Paul, 36 years old, never made a finals before. Never won a finals either, obviously. So can he and the Suns, Monty Williams, one of my favorite coaches, Really did a really good job. You guys remember back in the bubble where they routed off like eight straight. Can the Suns make the finals? Can CP3, is this kind of his last? Is there going to be a drop-off next year? Is this the last really good CP3 year on a contending team? We'll see about that. Jokic. So he's most likely going to be the MVP. There's some chatter about some other guys, but it's it seems pretty done that Jokic, especially after Jamal Murray went down, they haven't really skipped a beat without uh, their second guy and Jamal Murray. So they're the three seed. Can Jokic carry them? Can Jok- Does Jokic have the ability to put a team on his back and win a playoff series or two? So they would play the Blazers, and then if they won, they'd most likely play the Suns or Lakers, the winner of that series. So let's stay with the Blazers. This is my least favorite team in the NBA, and it has been for about six or seven years and it started when the they it was game six. I remember exactly where I was. I was in a friend's dorm room. Is yeah, game six, Blazers Rockets. This is when the Rockets had Dwight Howard and James Harden, and Damian Lillard came off a screen with like a second left, and I think it was the Rockets were up two, hit a three at the buzzer, and that ended the series. And that was you know close to as mad as I've been after a loss, and. Uh, and so that's you know a big reason why why I don't like them, but I just think it's overrated. Everyone loves Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum. They haven't won anything. Like they're just you know all on Twitter and look at me, but they haven't won anything. They'll have those moments where they where he hit a big shot against over Paul George and OKC a couple years ago, and he did the wave thing. Like he has these moments that are good, but when it comes down to playing against the big boys like the Nuggets this year or like the Jazz or Lakers, it just doesn't – they'll lose in like five or six, and it won't be close. So, Damian Lillard, I mean, they're in their early 30s, so there's only a few years left in that window. So, 
the duo in Portland is my fifth storyline. Then we go to the Bucks, and I forgot to point out this matchup. So probably the first, the best first round matchup in the East, especially, is gonna be the Bucks versus the Heat. We remember that game, that series last year where the Heat just crushed the Bucks. I think they beat them in five. I think that was the Eastern Conference game finals. But uh, the Heat have played a little bit better. Haven't had a great season, but it looks like Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero, Butler's been good all along. They're starting to get a little bit better. So Bucks Heat is a really high level first round matchup. My storyline, Giannis, can he make some jump shots in the playoffs? Can he make the finals? He's back-to-back MVP. It's kind of weird that a two-time MVP hasn't made the finals yet, so he'll have the chance to do that this year. But it's a, it's a tough opening matchup against the Heat, so that'll be a great series. Next headline, Steph Curry. Can Steph Curry, I mentioned this earlier, but can Steph Curry pull a Davidson? Can he pull a, a We Believe back in the, I think, 2000, what was it, 2006 or something, the, the Baron Davis Golden State Warriors? beating the Mavericks, the one seed. Can Steph Curry repeat that and upset uh, if they go in as the eight seed? Can they upset the Jazz in the first round? Can he pull a Davidson-Steph Curry and go on a run when a few games? Next storyline, and I also forgot for the for the Bucks, Budenholzer. I think he might be the one to go if they don't get the job done, if they lose in the, in the first or second round. Uh, their defense has been a little sloppy, as Reed was saying, giving up a lot of threes. So that's a, another coach that could be on the hot seat if they end, if they uh, get knocked out early. So next, LeBron James. As we all know, four rings. This is for his fifth ring. Obviously, he's got uh, two in Miami, one in Cleveland, one in L.A. last year. Five rings, you start having a really good argument against Michael Jordan. I know MJ's tough to touch, but when you look at the longevity of LeBron James, making his teams better, and no matter where he goes – the team automatically becomes a contender. The passing, the leadership, rebound, I mean, it's, it's all there. And for so long, um, since he was 18 years old, now he's, what, like 35? So, I mean, the longevity and the peak of, of LeBron James has been incredible. I mean, 13, 14-year peak where you can argue he's been the best player in the league. If he wins this fifth one, then the arguments for LeBron James start to become extremely legitimate, and I think it becomes 50-50. Because I think the, the extra ring that MJ has is balanced out by how long of a prime, how much longer of a prime LeBron has had, and, and winning with multiple teams. So those are that was my last storyline for the playoffs. Really excited. A lot of good. I mean, we didn't even talk about the Knicks. And the Knicks, I think the Knicks, the Knicks-Hawks 4-5 matchup, I mean, it doesn't really matter that much because whoever wins that is going to get wiped by the Sixers. Sixers kind of have a cakewalk to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so, but I mean, there's it's an exciting NBA playoff um, setup this year. And the regular season wasn't great because everyone knows it's all about the playoff. There wasn't much jockeying for playoff spots or home court advantage because a lot of these places aren't going to have full capacity. So how much home court advantage is there? The Lakers are never going to be the, the – uh, the higher seed, so they're not going to have home court advantage in any series. So that's also interesting to look out for. But yeah, get ready for these awesome playing games starting on Tuesday night and Wednesday. 
I think Tuesday night is the Eastern Conference. Wednesday night is the Western Conference. And then we go to those next couple games in each conference to decide the eight seed. So I think that's everything. I think I covered everything time-wise right at 28 minutes. Perfect. So thank you, everybody, for listening. Don't forget, if you haven't already, please subscribe and rate it five stars and leave a review if you want. Just say it's like a great podcast. But the more five-star reviews and ratings, the easier it is for me to get these higher-profile guests because they'll check out the podcast and see you know, how much – how much publicity it gets and all that stuff. So once again, thank you everybody for listening and enjoy the NBA playoff games and be on the lookout later this week with one more podcast with Frank the Tank Fleming talking some New York Mets and just sports and general. See ya. So I just realized I left off the most significant team of the year, the Brooklyn Nets in all of my NBA talk and I think if I didn't drop back in and talk about them, then Jackie Mack and Bob Ryan and, and people of that ilk would, would try and get me banned from any sort of airwaves. So uh, Brooklyn Nets, obviously they have the big three and Harden, Durant, and Kyrie. They haven't really played many games together. Kyrie's been off doing stuff. Durant has been hurt. Recently, James Harden has been out with a hamstring. Looks like they're all going to be good for the playoffs. And I knew I was missing my number one storyline. So if the Wizards make the playoffs, let me pull up the standing. So if the Wizards get the seventh seed, so if the Wizards beat the Celtics in the playing game on Tuesday night, they will be playing the Brooklyn Nets. So what does that mean? It'll be Russell Westbrook versus Durant and Harden, former teammates in OKC again. And so you know that's going to be absolute fireworks so that would be awesome. So that's another reason to root against the Celtics on Tuesday night. But in general, the Brooklyn Nets, I think Steve Nash has done a good job. And we've just never seen a collection of talent. I think they're still underrated. How good these guys are offensively is incredible. And I think due to the fact that we haven't seen them all together at the same time uh, has kind of taken away from how good this team can be. So it's setting up to be uh, – Sixers Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals, and I feel pretty confident about that. I think the the Bucks may give the Nets a little bit of trouble in the semifinals, but I think the Nets end up winning that one in six. But I wanted to hop back on and just talk about the Nets a little bit because James Harden, his playmaking, his passing is unbelievable. Kyrie Irving, his ability to do everything with either hand, his right or left, is something that I've never seen before. The dexterity, the balance, the ability to shoot a layup when you're on the way down, which is really, really hard to do. I've only attempted it a couple times because I only get a few inches up on the ground. But, I mean, it's it's tough even, even coming down from, you know, three or four inches. And then, obviously, Kevin Durant is an absolute killer in the playoffs. People have forgotten about him because he's been hurt. But, I mean, with the Warriors – even with the Thunder, I mean, the Warriors, these shots he would hit over LeBron James, these big threes to, I think it was game three in Cleveland when they when they uh, beat him in five, was that 2018 maybe? But, he, I mean, he hit so many big shots. He was going head-to-head with LeBron. And these were the years when we were like, is KD better than LeBron? Because he was that good in the playoffs and that much better than LeBron James in their, in their head-to-head. Obviously, he had more help with Golden State, but it was still – 
pretty impressive what he did. So I forgot to mention the Nets. They're obviously extremely explosive. They're going to be the team to watch, and I'm really hoping they can play the Wizards. Uh, but Steve Nash, he's done a good job. There's a lot of critics about his hiring and whether he was deserving of it. And I just think a, a former player with that much knowledge and the respect, I mean, the main thing for a head coach, especially on the Nets, is getting that respect from the top players. And I think Steve Nash is widely respected. And he was helping out with those Warriors teams. So he had previous contact with Kevin Durant as well. So they're the two seed. And so they'll play the winner of the Celtics and Wizards in the first round. So that's going to be awesome. Okay. I think I covered everything. Thank you, everybody, for listening.